Welcome to Relationships Unhinged Podcast, where we explore dysfunctional partnerships that became deadly. These stories give a whole new meaning to the term, till death do us part. Welcome to episode 17 of Relationships Unhinged. The one seven. So, yeah, every time I do a story, I try to have like a little bit of a different, I guess, like a like a different reason that I'm doing it or a different background or a different motive, I guess. Okay. So today I have like, I have kind of an interesting story about a couple from Roanoke. And um, so their names were Heath Wayne and Susan Overstreet. They were both 45 when this happened. Okay. And for once, like you always say, this is like kind of an older case. This is from 2009. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always get like cases that are like a week old. For, like 2009, that's for you. That's. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little excited about this one. 2009. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, at least I have like a little bit of a conclusion. Right. I guess. So they were both 45, and when they were first married, when they were first a couple and everything, they were like long haul truck drivers together. Nice. So they were traveling the country. Yeah, they were spending a lot of time. They were spending a lot of time like alone together. Right. Just tell them large Marge sent you. <laughs> Have a nice day. <laughs> Be sure and tell them large Marge sent you. <laughs> you know, That's I what have, I'm picturing. I have this crazy fascination with like the back of those trucks. Like I always think like you could turn it into like a real like nothing good comes listen i know that a lot trucks. of these creepy things happen there but i just like picture like i like would like deck one out with like lights and like really comfy pillows and stuff and yeah. then just like pull over like, like loft. pull the curtain and then sleep back there that's literally what they do though yeah there's like guys that have these trucks and girls that yeah. have these trucks and they're completely decked out yeah but they're yeah. together like 24 hours a day these two right and then they sleep in this truck together you know god forbid someone gets gas like they're literally just in, yeah, you, they're just in this closed quarter. There's nothing you can do all the time. <laughs> My buddy, incidentally, back back in the day, and when he was like younger, him to go around the country in a tractor trailer, this 53 foot tractor trailer, it was amazing. He would send me like postcards at all these random places throughout the U.S. that he was. Well, yeah, because like you have to always get out of your truck. Like there's a strangers there and stuff. It's and crazy. You know what else you have to you have to have patience. Yeah. Because you're not getting anywhere fast. No. No sense in speeding, no sense in looking at the time. Think, think about just like your commute to work and how many assholes you pass, mm -hmm. right? And all the fucked up things that happen, the anger that goes through your butt. Picture going across the country like that. No, People and picture you, you off. also can't slam on your brakes. Right, and wipe out like an entire village. God, I know. <laughs> Jackknife and take people out. I mean, it's a stressful, maybe a stressful but calming job. I don't know, but I feel like you need a lot of patience. Yeah. But, um... So that's what they did, but okay. then um, he, I guess he started to have some health problems and he was diagnosed with some heart problems mm -hmm. and he had to, he had to go on disability and he's permanently disabled. So they had to leave that job. Well, she had to then get a job as a bank teller okay. and, um, and then, you know, I guess in, in time she moved her way up and then she was a supervisor at the bank when, when you know, when the incident happened here. Now he's, he's like disabled at this point. He's not working. <clears throat> right. Okay. So, but he does like, ha has like little hobbies and stuff. They like to build trains. He's like, a, he, he allegedly has like $50,000 in train sets. That's a lot of money. 
Yeah, considering the median income in this town is like 21000 Wow, yeah. And they, you know, this is in Roanoke, Virginia at the time. So at, he had, in the bank lobby where she worked, had built this like fake like replica of like the Roanoke Valley with the whole railway system around it. Oh, that's awesome. It's apparently like $2,500 and took them 100 hours to build together. Wow. So, I mean, it seemed like for a while they had it going on. Yeah, from what you're saying right now, it seems like they're pretty close. Right. But then they started to go on these internet swinger sites. Ah, oh boy. See, this is this is where it goes south, right here. <laughs> yeah. And I guess once they did that, they just started to, like, cheat on each other a lot. And Yeah, I think that goes hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I guess if you become a swinger, I don't know if you could always trust that the person's always only no. just going to be with other people when they're with you. No, there's no way. It doesn't even matter how, like, tight that bond is. It's just... There's really only there's only three outcomes. The one is that your spouse is never going to get over it. Mm -hmm. The second is that one of the spouses is going to leave the other spouse for one of the people they swing with. Right. And then the third is murder. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like nothing good's going to come out. It's not like okay, we're just going to just go on fifty something years and just either stop or keep going and just be happy. So incidentally, I I have a a friend of mine Mm -hmm. that was a swinger, which is crazy right it is crazy to, to think that i have a friend that was a swinger yeah i didn't know about it obviously mm-hmm. but uh late when i later found out like this is the dude i never thought would get divorced i had no clue and it just happened and then i, I find out because you know when this shit happens people talk mm-hmm. but i find out how it happened and in, in activities he was involved in the swinging shit i'm like oh well yeah so that his wife ends up leaving to be with someone else that they were with so yeah, I, I can only imagine. I was like shook. Like I, I, I know that shit happens, but I didn't think it happened like in my back backyard. I mean, I, I know. I mean, I feel like I know some people who have been accused of being swingers. And incidentally, none of the people I know that have been accused of being swingers have had, you know, a, a harmonious ride. A lot of them are divorced or right. just not happy. Yeah. So, but either way... Um, I guess they were like thinking about getting a divorce, but they decided they were going to see a pastor instead. Okay. And the pastor, like, hears their whole story, and I think he was a little shocked. But he said, you know, I'll counsel you. I'll try, we'll try to figure this out. Um, but it didn't seem like it was going well. And I guess as time went on, progressively, you know, they started to get more violent. She got a restraining order against him. You ever think that these pastors, when they hear these stories, like, go home and, like, I was work. Ah, it's fucked. Like, you know. I mean, that well, job you have to listen to everyone's bullshit like all all day long, and then somehow you have to like maintain a normal life. Yeah, I, I think like no matter what job you're in, I think you hear fucked up stories, whether it be from your coworkers or like people if in you're the community the or whatever. But like, right? But that's what my whole point is that when you're a pastor. You go into that with like this, I think this light of people, like how everyone's like good and God fearing and whatever you think. And then I guess you, you don't, like I always say, here's one of my isms. Everyone's normal till you get to know them. Yeah. And then this, this pastor has to see these people normal. Yeah. Circumstances later. You go stand in front of this congregation of like, you know, 50 to 200 people and you're like, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then like after like six months, you're like, 
cheater, whore, <laughs> swingers, <laughs> freaks, abusive parents. Like <laughs> that's what I mean. It's crazy. I don't know if I could stand up there and like. I don't even think I'm that judgmental, but I don't know if I could stand up there and like even preach. I'd be like, wow. <laughs> No, incidentally, I just watched a marathon of like the Simpsons Christmases, and you know, there's uh, there's the, the pastor on there, and he's always like, you know, I mean, he, he, these guys aren't always, you know, that holy either. Mm. I think I think we learned this with Matthew Phelps. He was a pastor, yeah, yeah. but then he stabbed his poor sweet wife 120 something times. Yeah, that wasn't pastorally. I mean, the same thing with that other dude, which we will never cover because it's too covered. But we were just talking about the other day. Who? Um, the oh, the Susan you? Powell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Josh Powell. Josh Powell, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll never cover that because it's right. it's very covered. And people have been very thorough, like yeah. dedicating like entire shows, like 50 episodes to it. And, wow. you know, my 15 minutes is never going to contribute. And that, that story is so messed up. So I'm sorry I got way off track, but okay. I, the pastor thing was just eating at me. Right. <laughs> I felt like I had to get that out. Well, so she gets this restraining order against him, right? Right. But then they're like still talking and stuff. And so she... Whoa, whoa, wait. So she got the restraining order against him. Mm Mm-hmm. But they're continuing to talk. Yeah, and she's calling him and she's like seeing him and stuff too. Well, I would say this is the kind of person that like takes away some of the credibility of restraining orders or some of like the actual like seriousness of it. However, she did end up dead. Well, listen. So... we, We say this all the time. If you're going to get a restraining order, it means, to, to me anyway, if you're going to go and get a restraining order, it means to me that you're like literally in fear for your life. Mm-hmm. You're terrified that this person's going to harm you or harm your family or something, come to go to your work, whatever. So if you're getting a restraining order, this person gets served and then you're calling them, they're going to their house, you're fucking with them. Like what? Right, right, right. That person shouldn't be allowed to have a restraining order. That you should not have a restraining order. You should not be allowed to get one. Right. Fucking bullshit. I mean, like, or if you get a restraining order and then you break it yourself, like it should just be null and void. Right. Or like, even if the other person contacts you first, if you're making mutual phone calls or, or having mutual visitation, which incidentally, you know, she, her work, coworkers claim that he was definitely stalking her, that he was going to her work like multiple times a day, that there was one time that she had to call the police for him violating the restraining order. But just prior to that, his father was in the hospital and she went to the hospital to visit his father, spent several hours with him and had some, some members of the church come in and try to talk to them about how they could fix their marriage. So, I mean, it obviously- That's fine. It didn't all that, work. All that's right. fine, but then, then go to the court and drop the restraining order. Because, I mean, because the thing is, is like, I feel like you got somebody at your mercy at this point. Yeah. Because every time you disagree with them, you could be like, that's it, I'm going to call the police. Yep. Like, you're calling them, you're contacting them, and then you could threaten to call the police like any time that they do something you disagree right. with. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like cap- keeping them captive. Yeah. Yeah. It's like emotional... That's crazy. Sabotage. It's, it's like, crazy. Yeah. Don't even get to... The point is, and I'm not even trying to sit here and say that restraining orders aren't important. Like, I get it. There's a need for restraining orders and mm-hmm. they're important. Oh, yeah. They're powerful if people are going to listen. Right. <laughs> or people are going to be in fear for, you know, getting arrested. But that, to me, is an abuse. It's abuse of the system. Right. Right, right, right. So I guess, like, at one point when she was at work and then she... Because I don't know if her coworkers knew full well that she was, like, still talking to him and stuff. And I don't know... I just don't know how crazy the situation must have been that she would talk to him, then fight with him, then talk to him, then fight with him, then he was stalking her. And she, at this point, so she files for divorce. 
July 8th. Okay. So he had been arrested June 26th for violation of the um, restraining order. But like, you know, in May and June, they were still hanging out, talking. Allegedly, she had washed his car sometime in May or June. Okay. Because that, that kind of like, it goes back, this, this murder story goes back to that. So they were still talking and yeah. friendly May and June. The end of June, she gets him arrested for violating a restraining order. July 8th, she files for a restraining order. I mean, she files for divorce. So you, quit, you wonder how many times he, quote, violated the restraining order before this incident. Right. Or how many times she just violated her own restraining order, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, emotionally blackmailed him, like, or, you know. But, so the, the actual incident took place on July 22nd. Okay. So she she had a date with a martial arts guy, like a martial arts instructor. She went on this date. Um, this guy lived like a town over from her. She went to his house after the date and they had sex. And I guess like she was home sometime around 11 o'clock. So she she lived in Roanoke. He lived, Heath, her husband, lived soon to be ex-husband, you know, if everything went right, I guess. He lived about 40 minutes away. Okay. So there's conflicting reports because her neighbors say that they saw his truck by her apartment around 11.20 p.m. So she gets home around 11 p.m. From the date. From the date. And her neighbors see his truck at around 11.20 p.m. But his mom claims that she lives like right across the street from him in view of his house, claims his truck was at his house at Uh, 11. Right, of course. All night. And that she was up until 1.30 a.m. And his truck never left his house. And there's a lot. There's the alibi. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Good old mom. Right, right, right. So sometime between 11 and, and midnight, I guess, she was murdered. And she was murdered, it seems like, um, whether she was just going into the house or whether she came to the door. So he's probably out there waiting for her. Yeah. I wonder if he knew she was on a date. I feel like probably she called him and was like, hey, yo, I got a date tonight. Like, oh, yeah. because they were taught... So this is a guy a good point. who who claims that they talked 15 to 25 times a day. Wow. Well, that that's going to kill a relationship too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I mean like even up until the day of this murder, they talked 15 to 25 times a day. Yeah, that's excessive. Well, this is somebody with a restraining order against somebody. Right. That's this is my, somebody who's filing for a divorce. Which makes it 10 times worse. Right. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Right. Right, like if you're getting a restraining order and filing for divorce, but allegedly they were best friends and couldn't go about their lives without talking to each other. I mean, if listen, if your relationship don't work out and you want to stay as friends, that's fine, but... But 15 to 25 times a day, that, and then excessive. she's going out on dates with people and stuff. Like, right. Is she just trying to like put it in his face that she's going out with people? And then, like, I, I don't know. You have to wonder what the motive is. Yeah, yeah. And, the, you know, the lawyer said, like, that he was her first call every day and that, like, she couldn't she couldn't go about her day if she didn't call him and they didn't have a conversation in the morning so she she some some point between 11 and 12 ends up dead and she doesn't show up for work in the morning and her co-workers say she's always like 30 minutes early no matter what always so when she doesn't get there now it's like actual time to start work so she's she's like a half hour late for her but she's like not on time right. for like a regular person so they're like hmm so her co-workers who are very close with her go to her house to check on her and they find her like in her foyer nearly decapitated because she was stabbed like in the neck and chest and Jesus. her head was like almost off Ugh. literally but she was inside her house yeah okay and there was like a pool of blood on the foyer there's blood on the door blood on the doorknob yeah and this poor co-workers had to see her like that yeah 
So they call the police. Now, this is July 23rd that she's found, right? So July 22nd, the incident happens. They talk 15 to 20 times, whatever it is. Right. So July 23rd, she's found. And there's the, the police come and they finally tell Heath sometime in the afternoon that, she, you know, that they found her. So he's like, whoa, you know, she's dead. It's interesting because in the meantime, they he didn't never talk to 15 times today. He never called her all yeah. day. Yeah. She never called him. He never called her. He says they got to talk 15 to 25 times a day, but he never tries to call her. Not once. And he doesn't think it's weird that she didn't call him. <laughs> and the police apparently tell him sometime between three and four in the afternoon. So, so the whole day goes by, not a single phone call from her. And he's not suspicious of this. No. Then they well, come to his house not, and they're like, hey, her. listen, your wife's dead. Right. And he's like, wait, what? No way. Shut up. Uh, I knew I should have called her 10 to 12 times by now. Yeah. But no, he didn't. So um, so they do their investigation and they find some of her blood under his door handle in his truck, which he claims is from when she washed his car sometime in late May or early June. So the blood was there the entire time? Yeah, she yeah, got right. blood on right. his car. Yeah. Right. 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 So. <laughs> no. I know. So, of course, you know, they go to trial and, um, you know, the, the mother says that his truck had never left his, his house. Her neighbors say they saw his truck. You know, of course, there's like the evidence of like no phone calls. Right. Um, well, that in itself is damning. The fact that they talk 15 to 20 times a day. And then that day. No phone calls. No phone calls. Three, four o'clock comes and he doesn't. Right. And yeah. I mean, at ver you know, technology is always tripping people up. 100%. Because this guy should have at least called her and like, everything okay? Yeah. Well, obviously, he's not thinking straight. <laughs> right. I know. So, she was um, she was stabbed multiple times and, um, you know, like I said, like nearly decapitated. And it, usually if you're stabbed like that, that's like, those are passion kills. Right. Yeah. Especially a knife. And, and, the, and the date that she was on never came to her house. She was at his house. Okay. So unless it's like somebody else that they were like messing with or whatever, like it, it seems like, him. yeah, it seems like it had to be him. Yeah. So he goes, he goes on trial. And of course his lawyer is saying all this stuff like, you know, they were best friends. Right. They talked to him. No way day. it was him. Yeah, it wasn't no. him. And then her family stands up and they say, you know, they're really sad about their loss. You know, she was a big part of their family. She was a joy to be around, all this stuff. And then when he gets up, he says, you know, she was my soulmate. You know, I feel bad for you guys, but I lost my soulmate. Like, basically as if he didn't do it. Yeah, like he's a victim. Like, he's like, you know, I, I you know, but, you know, he claimed he would never hurt her. In the meantime, he was found guilty and he was sentenced to life with no possibility of parole. Which means that the, whoever the jurors were had enough information, enough evidence to yeah, convict him without beyond a reasonable doubt. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that there's nobody in jail that's like falsely imprisoned, but you're more likely to... I think go for not guilty than guilty if there's a doubt. Right. Because look at some of these high profile cases that are found not guilty. Because you don't want to put somebody in jail for life. You know, especially this guy is kind of skinny and frail. He looks like older than he is and he has heart problems. So like I can't imagine like wanting to put someone in jail who like truly looks like or appears to is, set, is convincing that this person that lost his soulmate didn't do it. I can't see being like, yeah, throw throw away the key, who cares? Yeah. Um, so he says to the judge, you know, it doesn't matter. You can put me in jail for life, but I have a heart condition. I'll be dead in five or six years. 11 years later, he's still alive and well. Oh, that's, mm -hmm. that's good. So well, he has a lot of time to think about what he did. 
Yep. Every day he wakes up. And he's got the benefit of that health coverage. You wonder if that train set is still in the bank. I know, I wonder. You know, incidentally, the town newspaper had done had done like a showcase on the two of them mm-hmm. for, I guess, for putting that up and then for being like these train enthusiasts and stuff. But that was in 2007. And the <laughs> article- longer ago. The article's like legit gone. Wow. Because I guess because you can't yeah. like prof, you know profile someone and be like, hey, these the awesome yeah. couple Citizen loves trains, of the year. and then bam, then he kills someone, then he kills her, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and then they're just like, oh, they could just frame it and be like, murderer who killed wife. Yeah, cool Had train, cool dude. Cool train, right? Yeah, oh, that's an interesting one, right? So it just shows you, you know, those relation, those are relationship killers. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. And everything's temporary. You yeah. know, I guess that happy time in the truck, that was temporary. It just shows you that relationships are so fucking crazy because in one minute you're traveling the country together, soulmates. Right. Building trains together. And then the next, and then you you're train motors and you're dead. You decide to bring someone into your relationship. Yep. And then it actually de-escalated pretty quick after that. Yeah, it did. It, it went bad pretty quick. So they went from being on top of the world right. to being, she's dead, he's in prison pretty quick. It's crazy. I know. You know, this story has like a few morals. Like, first of all, you know, maybe you shouldn't try to swing because <laughs> I don't think it works out good. And then the other one is don't get a restraining order and then stay biffles with the person. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, if you're if you're done, like be done. I agree with you. If, you know, if you're in fear for your life, absolutely get a restraining order and do everything you can to stay away from these people and protect yourself. But then weirdly, here he killed her. Right. So this is why, like, the police can't even say like this is a bullshit restraining order, and this is why we can't take restraining right. orders seriously. Right. You're right. Because she did end up dead. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Better good. Yeah. So what do you got in store for eighteen? I got something good. Yeah. I got something good going. Yeah. It's in the works. All right. I guess everyone will have to come back and see what 18 is going to be. Yeah, it's going to be good. All right. Thanks a lot for stopping by. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye.